Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Good evening. If you seem to sense an aura of cold dampness that permeates this room, Attribute it not to either defective air conditioning or inclement indoor weather. It's simply because this is rather a special place with a special statuary and special paintings. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Friday flashback episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. We have something kind of special planned for a Friday flashback. Right next to me is... Kimmy! I got one! Hi there, I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. And the hero of this story is Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. Now, over the past few days, uh, past few episodes, we've talked about you You developed con crud out and about at recent uh, outing, and uh, you've been struggling that this entire week. You have not missed an episode of the Riley and Kimmy show, though, because the show must go on. And are you feeling any better? Yes, I am. That is great. Good to hear. We want those batteries uh, energized and all that kind of stuff. The Riley and Kimmy show will be out and about coming up in the next few days. And you can find out where by uh, friending and following us on social media. That would be the best way to do that. Uh, you know, If you follow and like and friend us and all that, we will do the same back with you. And social media links are available. Well, you can find those right on our website, which is... RileyandKimmy.com That's right, RileyandKimmy.com. And one of the things we will do is uh, wherever we are... Uh, not trying to be a mystery, but wherever we are, we will be running a video also. And so be sure to check out the... The video recaps and the video interviews and the photos, all those will be available through multiple social media platforms, and you can just see uh, what's going on if you can't be there. Also, live updates and things like that. Right, Kimmy? That's right. You can find those links right at our website, RileyandKimmy.com. Kimmy, are you rested up enough? Are you are you healed up enough to play nerd and pop culture geek trivia on this Friday? Yes, I am. <laughs> It is a Friday flashback, or flashback Friday, Friday, November 18th, and we're going to be asking Kimmy some questions from the Almanac, trying to lean more towards the pop culture nerd side, occasionally some uh, history questions in there as well. All these just for fun, well, sort of. If Kimmy misses more than she gets right, then uh, there is no special breakfast made for her on Saturday, uh, tomorrow. Mm. That's right, Kimmy. So here is your opportunity to win that special breakfast. Uh, Otherwise, it's gone. It's out. It's out the window. Here we go. The very first question for you. The first push-button telephone goes into service what year within five years? Mm. The first push-button telephone service goes into service. I'll tell you what, I'll be very generous. We'll add five more. We'll make it ten for you. 1970. Kimmy gets it right. It was 1963. The very first push-button telephone service goes into service or goes into uh, where it's available. And it's interesting if you watch some of the classic television shows to see which shows are actually picking up and using the push-button service or not uh, before 1970. Mm. You will see in some programs clear into the 70s and probably like 73, 74, still using dial. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see some of the 60s ones that jump onto it. Now, usually the 60s ones that do, it's usually a person of affluence that has that push-button phone. Mm. That's where they would distinguish between, uh, you know, push-button, you know, me- meaning wealth and uh, mm-hmm. So just something to kind of look at if you're watching like MeTV or some of the other shows with all the retro television programs. See, okay, are they using a push button or a rotary phone? Yeah, I figured it'd be earlier than I thought. I remember, and I wish I could find this. Uh, I came across an old phone book. It was a 1960s phone book. And I don't know if you remember, for those who don't know, phone books used to be distributed by the phone company too. and had phone numbers and advertising in it. Oh, uh, we, we just got one in the mail this week. Oh, get out of here. Oh, yeah. Was it out on the ground or was it actually in the it mail? in the mailbox. Uh, are you kidding? An actual phone book, sort of like they used to yeah. have, but smaller? It was a lot smaller, Thinner. Right? Okay, but they used to be, you know, rather size, sizable. And, mm-hmm. and they were full of ads, mm-hmm. phone numbers. White pages and yellow pages, and all businesses were yellow. This we're, we're explaining for those who have no idea what a phone book is. And and they had a front cover, and inside the covers, they generally had an advertisement or a future ad. And some of them, I wish I could find this one. Uh, it's from approximately 1968, 69, 67, right around in there. It's pre 1970, and it shows the video phone. That's on the horizon. Mm. It has a picture of this video phone. Mm-hmm. And then they'd also have the, the you know, really fancy phones that you could order or get, you know, things like that. It's probably like where you would find the prince's phone way back and things like that. But that ad, I, it just stuck out. I remember finding that as a kid and thinking that was really cool. And they never did develop or release the exact version that they show there. It's kind mm. of interesting. Like to find those. So Kimmy's off to a good start here. It was on this date, 1883, the U.S. and Canada adopted a system of standard time zones. That was 1883. It was on this date, Kimmy. You better get this one right. <laughs> the first successful sound-synchronized animated cartoon premiered in New York. It was a Walt Disney film. That's your hint. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me? At least who the star was, and bonus points, if you can tell me the name of that cartoon, and you heard me get into a discussion with somebody in downtown Deland about this cartoon, who he wanted to argue with me about something else. And Mickey I, Mouse? It is a Mickey Mouse film. What was the name of it? Can you do that? I can see him on the train. Yeah, that's right. Well, well, Whistling the, a tune. He was on a, a boat, Kimmy. That's a clue. Oh, a boat. Yeah, that's a clue. I thought it was a train. Boat. Uh, boat. Uh, Steamboat Willie. That's right. Steamboat Willie is the answer. And Kimmy, can you tell me the year that happened? That's even bonus points. Within five. Oh. 1930? No. That's that's, uh, that's not your answer? Yeah. That is your answer? Yeah. You think you can get narrow it down even more? All right, Kimmy. Was it the 20s or the 30s? 20s? It was the 20s. It was 1928. The first successful sound synchronized animated cartoon premieres that premiered in New York, and that is Walt Disney's Steamboat Willie, starring the mouse himself. Moving over to something happening in the world of sports, which goes into the world of Hollywood. Kimmy, pay attention here. You've kind of had this answer in the past. Matter of fact, maybe a week or so ago, or less. Uh, I think about a week or so. 
See if you can answer this one. It was 1951. Chuck Connors of the Los Angeles Angels became the first player to oppose the major league draft. Connors later became the star of the hit television show. And your answer is... Gunsmoke? Rifleman. Oh. Uh, yes, it was, it, was, it was a rifleman, but that, that was close, Kimmy. She did pick a she did pick a western. That's the least that's the least kind of close there. Uh, uh, that's you, good for me. That, that was good, uh, sort of. Uh, yeah. Okay, Kimmy. It was on this date, 1956. Fats Domino appears on the Ed Sullivan Show and performs his hit. Can you name his hit that he would have performed? I will give you a clue. Fill in the blank here. It's Blank Hill. Blank Hill. And they would play this like... Blueberry Hill. Ah, that's right. I was going to give you maybe like... I was going to say probably played it on Happy Days or or uh, the uh, movie. It's sort of American Graffiti. Maybe. I don't remember if Graffiti has that on the soundtrack or not if it was in there at all. 1959, William Wyler's Ben-Hur premieres in New York City's Times Square. It was on this date, Kimmy, 1966, Sandy Koufax announces his retirement from Major League Baseball. Tell me the team he playing for. The Yankees? No, tell me the team he was playing for. Wrong coast. The Dodgers. That's right, Los Angeles Dodgers. It was 1969, Apollo 12 astronauts Charles Pete Conrad Jr. and Alan Bean Landed on the lunar surface during the second manned mission to the moon. It was on this date, Kimmy, in 1987. U2 opened for itself. You're going to say big deal. Well, they opened for themselves by pretending to be a country rock group called the Dalton Brothers during a concert in Los Angeles, California. Hmm. Do you remember that? No. I know you're a big U2 fan. It was on this date, Kimmy, in 1990. Paul McCartney's birth certificate I have no idea how somebody got a hold of this. Sold for $18,000 in an auction. Wow. In night, I wonder where it would go now. That was 1990. Hmm. It was 1991. The U2 album Octoon Baby was released. It was on this date. Kimmy, give me. Are you ready for this? I'll give you the year. It was 1995. This classic, this well known, this iconic. Rock group slash pop group became the first act to broadcast a major concert on the internet. Can you tell me who would have done that? Who would have been cutting edge enough to have done that? They are huge. They encompass going from the 60s till now, the 1960s till now. Rolling Stones? That's correct. The Rolling Stones became the first act to broadcast a major concert on the internet. That's 1995. Boy, I, I bet that was fun listening to dial-up if you were, uh, <laughs> you know, for those, by the way, for those who don't know, pre-Wi-Fi, yeah, a lot of times you had to connect, and, well, originally you had to connect via telephone line, mm-hmm. and it could be rather, rather Okay, moving over to something else that happened on this date, Kimmy. It was 2005, Walk the Line, opened in theaters. The film focuses on the early years of what 
musician. What musical performer? Johnny Cash. That's correct. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I haven't. Moving over to celebrity birthdays. Imogene Coco, having a birthday born on this date, 1908, passed away at the age of 92 in 2001. She was an American comic actress. They say her face was made out of rubber, basically. Uh, she could position it in any way. That alone is worth checking out. Some of the uh, the film, the, the footage of that, she appeared on uh, Sid Caesar's Your Show of Shows. It was on this date, 1909. Johnny Mercer, American singer, songwriter, producer, co-founder of Capitol Records, was born. It was on this date. Kimmy, see if you can give me who this person is. He was born on this date. He passed away in 1998 at the age of 74. He is an astronaut, or was. He was an American naval aviator, officer as well, test pilot, one of the original NASA Mercury 7 astronauts, he made the first manned Mercury flight. His craft entered space but did not achieve orbit. He became the second person and the first American to travel into space, the first person to manually control the orientation of his spacecraft. Ten years later, at the age of 47, and the oldest astronaut in the program, he commanded Apollo 14, that was in 1971, piloting the lander to the most accurate landing of the Apollo missions. He became the fifth and oldest person to walk on the moon and the only one of the Mercury 7 to do so. And during that mission, he hit two golf balls on the lunar surface. A very moody person, his secretary at NASA, would put a picture up. A happy face of him if he was in a good mood and a not-so-happy face if he was in a bad mood on his on the wall or right next to his office door, so those walking up knew what they were dealing with. Who is he? Oh, boy. I remember that, too. Um, Who is he? He had the right stuff beyond a doubt. Mm-hmm. Would race his Corvette over here in Florida, out to the Cape. You've seen his white Corvette sitting out at NASA in the, actually in the, uh, Saturn V building. That's the last I knew it was at. That Corvette was at. Mm. I have pictures with that Corvette. Mm -hmm. I have his books. He wrote one with Deke Slayton, other Mercury astronaut. He is very important. Yes. Initials? A. S. A. S. Kimmy. We're not letting you off on this one. You got to get this one. Okay, I'll give you who the next two were in the series that went up in the Mercury. Maybe that will help. Remember, he's the one that went up in space but did not orbit. Alan Shepard. Wow. Is that your final answer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kimmy is 100% correct. I don't know how you got that. I was going to give you the next two. I was going to say, well, can you do that? Can you tell me one of the next two? You don't have to give them in, in order or right. Who would be the next two that followed him? Or one of the next two? Ed one, White? No, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Ed White, Gemini. Uh, the next, Okay, I'll give you a clue here. One of them, he would take his capsule, when it landed, it went straight down, and well, not right straight down, but it went to the ocean floor. Um, he had a problem with its, its hatch. And the next one actually orbited the Earth. Gus Grissom is the one who had the problem with the hatch. Okay. And you've seen his, when they recovered uh, that, that capsule. And... The one who orbited the Earth is John Glenn, Senator John Glenn, who you you met a number of years ago. Okay. Okay, so there we go, Kimmy. Mystery birthday person. She did get it. I guarantee you did better than 
probably most would. Brenda Vaccaro, actress, having a birthday today. Do you know who she is by chance? Mm, yes, okay. I think so. All right. Within 20 years, how old is she today? 78. She's 77. I can't believe you got that, actually. I gave you a 20. I didn't think you actually knew who she was. I thought you were just going, ah, yeah. Uh, somebody I should know. I'm going to say I know him. Next one, see if you can identify who this is. She gained popularity. Notice for playing Audra Barkley in the Western television series The Big Valley, 1965 to 1969. However, she is most known for the role of Crystal Carrington in the 1980s ABC primetime soap opera Dynasty, a role she played from 1981 to 1989. Who is the mystery birthday person? Um, I don't know. Oh, boy. I didn't watch either of those shows. But she's... Iconic from television. You, 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 you didn't even watch the big fight between her and what's her name on Dynasty that it was in everything. No. You have not paid attention when the Big Valley's on the TV and Me TV, and you come in because one of the fur kids or uh, feathered kids watches Big Mm-mm. Valley. You have not. You, you don't know who she is. No clue. No. Linda Evans is who it is. Uh, I'm gonna ask you how old she is. She is 74 today okay notable in the world of science fiction alan dean foster having a birthday today he is 70 he's an american writer and fantasy of science fiction and fantasy uh, foster was the ghostwriter for the original novelization of star wars which has been solely credited to george lucas now after two other writers had declined to do the offer for a flat fee of five thousand dollars for the book he did that he did mm. it for five grand and has no problem, by the way, uh, with not having the notoriety because he claims, well, it was Lucas's idea. I just expanded on it and wrote it and wrote it because the myth most of you know, oh, yeah, Lucas wrote whole, he, he, he outlined things and stuff. Now, Lucas brought to Foster the original screenplay after which Foster then fleshed out the backstory. So he had a screenplay in his hands and he makes it into a novel. Now, keep in mind the average screenplay. The average shooting time screenplay is approximately 120 pages in length. The novel, of course, is a lot bigger than that because it's kind of a reverse process there. Usually uh, what happens in Hollywood is somebody has a novel and they go, okay, can you take this 400-page novel and make it into a movie? So they got to take a 400-page novel and squeeze it into 120 pages. Mm. That's why a person who is a fan of the work before it goes to the screen is often upset because they have to you know, consolidate things or leave things completely out. And there can be a bit of a difference between that novel and the movie. Hmm. So that that's what happened with that. And by the way, he wrote one of my favorite things with uh, Star Wars. He wrote the this. It, it's not really a sequel, but it follows Star Wars right after the movie came out. He wrote the novel Splinter of the Mind's Eye, a Star Wars sequel published in 1978, two years prior to the release of The Empire Strikes Back. I love that story. Uh, unfortunately, it's deviated a little bit because nobody knew what Lucas was going to do from what became history. So it, it, it wasn't made. And by the way, he also worked with Star Trek as well. He is, I, I have a feeling he might not want to be credited with this one. He is credited with the Star Trek, the motion picture. And he wrote 10 books based on episodes of the animated Star Trek series. Very important in the world of science fiction. See if Kimmy can identify this Movie influence, big comic book writer, creator. He does not like the words graphic novel. He likes comic books. Does not want to refer to his graphic novel. He is 
cranky, according to some people. He is out there. He's an anarchist. He's many things. He's having a birthday today. He is 63. See if you can identify who this person is. Kimmy's an English author and illustrator. His books have provided the basis for a number of Hollywood films, and he doesn't want his name attached to I don't think any of them. Gets kind of upset when it, when it is. He created From Hell. The 2001 film is based on his work. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, V for Vendetta, and Watchmen, to name a few. Who is Mr. Cranky Pants? Mm. You've heard about him. Mm-hmm. You've read his material. You've seen his movies. You've enjoyed them. Who is he? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Can't, can't come up with the name, though. It is Alan Moore. Yep. That's Alan Moore having a birthday today. He is 63. One of our friends, a a writer, illustrator, he is trying to, I think, live the life of Alan Moore. And matter of fact, you know, I think he's actually starting to give up all forms of electricity and things as well. I think he's really getting out there. He, mm-hmm. I mean, because he says that's his idol. Mm. He goes, I, well, one of his idols. Okay. All right, moving over to this one, see if you can identify who this musician is. Matter of fact, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of her hits. Okay, her first hit was in 1981. It was a debut single called Kids in America, which, which reached like number two in Britain. In 1988, she had a huge hit, the remake of the Supreme song, You Keep Me Hanging On. Can you identify who that is? Um, she was big in the 80s, mm-hmm. sort of. Wow. Nope. It was Kim Wilde. Do you remember yeah, her? You yeah. remember Kim Wilde? Okay, tell yep. me how old Kim Wilde is today. Uh, 52. She is 56 years of age. Elizabeth Perkins, actress. Uh, you might know her from the uh, TV series Weeds. She's 56 today. Kirk Hammett, age 54, the lead guitarist and contributing songwriter for Metallica, having a birthday. Moving over to something else, another part of the almanac here. I see dead people. That's right. Uh, we see dead people. It's time for the death section of the Riley and Kimmy show. Not to be, uh, that's kind of, that kind of sounds morbid <laughs> a little bit. But here we move over to that section with the dead people. It was 1994, Cab Calloway passed away. At the age of 86, American singer, songwriter, and band leader, he did the Cab Calloway Orchestra. He is worth checking out. If you've never seen him, go to YouTube right now. His dancing influenced many people like Michael Jackson and others and actually influenced cartoons because they would use his work in the Betty Boop uh, animated series as well and some of this stuff like Snow White. Uh, let's see, The Moocher in 1932, The Old Man of the Mountain in 1933. And he gave his voice and also his dancing steps and moves for the, the animated pieces as well. And it's just fantastic to check out. You Do you know Cab Calloway a little bit, Kimmy? A um, little bit. All right. Folks, here's a story about Minnie the Moocher. She was a red-hot huge coocher. She was the roughest, toughest frail. But Minnie had a heart as big as a whale. Hide, 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 hide. Hide, 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 Yes, Cab Calloway, Minnie the Moocher there, and he became known as the Heidi Ho Man because of that song. It was so popular. And he would perform it up until he got very, very old. And he enjoyed that. He embraced it. 
and just a fantastic he moved like fluid you you watch him i mean he was just it was fantastic somebody else who passed away on this date in history one of my favorite actors that's james coburn also voice talents as well passed away at 2002 at the age of 74 uh he was in more than 70 movies largely action roles made 100 television appearances during his 45 year career ultimately winning the academy award that was in 1997 for his supporting role in the movie affliction and one of my favorite things of his is a spoof to the James Bond movies. Actually, I should say spoofs because he did more than one. And that is Our Man Flint and In Like Flint. They are, that's a groovy movies or movies that were made in the 60s. And to check him out, I even the opening sequences are so... If you see him, I mean, th- these were action films tied with a little bit of humor and stuff with it. And they were gorgeous, very beautiful color-wise and things like that. But he literally moved like fluid, and there's a reason for that. The action scenes, he did a lot of them himself, most of them, the combat scenes. He was a student of Bruce Lee's, and you can see this uh, when he moves in some of the combat scenes. It's just it's it's just fantastic. I mean, it's definitely not a stunt double doing it. It is, it is him. And, they yeah, they're hokey and stuff, but they're actually making fun of the the uh, James Bond films of the time period. And it's It's really cool. And I'm hmm. surprised they actually got made because some of the stuff is borderline very risque if you put it in time period of when it was released. I mean, they're very, uh, very scantily clad girl oriented. And mm. I'm surprised they were able to do that. And what's really even more interesting is somebody like me was able to see this shown on television because they would show this at late night TV and stuff. Over, hmm. the, over the year. Never bro- seen any of those. You, I'm going to have to subject you to it for a little bit. And one thing, he had a beautiful voice, fantastic read, very powerful. And he's great even in, in the, the, the Westerns. Anything he did, he, he touched it was golden. He was just very good. And it's one of those people I wish I could go back in time and just talk to for a few minutes. But he, he, he and Steve McQueen are just the examples of, of the 1960s when people were talking about cool cats. You know, the real cool dudes, he, he, they were cooler and cool. I mean, mm. uh, James Coburn was right there and Steve McQueen and he. And he passed away on this date in 2002. Now, coming up tomorrow, Kimmy, somebody's having a, a birthday on Saturday that's really important in the world of nerdom. Let's see if you can identify who that person is, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, he passed away at the age of 96 this year, May of this year. Now, he was an actor, voice actor too, comedian, radio and television host and personality. And so important that TV Guide called him the Charlie Chaplin of television. He was best known for his role as Wilbur Post on a certain TV comedy series and as the voice of Scrooge McDuck in Disney films and TV series and video games. Can you tell me who he is and the TV show we were talking about where he played Wilbur? No. He played Wilbur Post, very naive, on a certain TV show that featured an animal. A talking animal. Oh, um, Alan. All right. You're in the right ballpark. You're there. What's the name of the talking animal show? Mr. Ed. Hello. I'm Mr. Ed. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course, that is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Ed. Go right to the source and ask the horse, he'll give you the answer that you endorse. He's always on a steady course. Talk to Mr. Ed. All right, Kenny, his name would flash across the TV screen. 
they still run this, like on MeTV and some other per, other uh, retro television stations. Can you tell me his name? You got his first name. It's Alan. Uh, Alan A- Young? That's it, Kimmy. I don't know how you did that. Alan Young is exactly right. One of the probably the nicest human beings you could ever meet, according to things I've read. Mm. Would love to have met him. He did the convention circuit clear uh, pretty close to uh, his time of passing away. Mm. And, and as I said, he did voiceover work in the cartoons. He was Scrooge McDuck when you listen to his voice as Wilbur. On uh, Mr. Ed, that is his speaking voice, and it's it's amazing that he did Scrooge McDuck. Now, you can hear him doing accents because, as you know, Scrooge McDuck has that accent thing going. He can do accents, and there's examples of that in the golden age of radio. He did a lot of old-time radio, and I thought since tomorrow is his birthday, we go back in time and pay tribute to Alan Young. Radio And that's Riley and Kimmy show going back in time to the days when Alan Young was on the golden age of radio. We have an examples because he had an actual show called the Alan Young show. And we're going back to two episodes from two different, uh, you know, like about a year apart of each other. And we'll have them uninterrupted back to back. The first one we have is Alan's life story from 1945. He decides to write a biography. You might just hear uh, some accent in there or not. And also, Alan's movie career, otherwise called Alan the Movie Star, from 1946. These are comedies, comedy, uh, what, what do I look for? Uh, dramatic comedies uh, from the time period. They, they are not, well, maybe the humor is a little dated in certain ways, but in certain ways it is not. It still holds up. You can also tell the influences that these shows would have on television just a few years, 10 years, 20 years later. So we go back in time right now with the Alan Young Show. In tribute to Alan Young's birthday, which is tomorrow, here on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ken Delmar, speaking on behalf of those two old friends, Sal Hepanica and Mum, and welcoming you to the Alan Young Show, featuring our singing star, Diane Courtney, the music of Peter Van Steeden, and starring Alan Young. Well, it's Tuesday night and time for another visit to Alan Young's house. It's so refreshing to talk to a simple, modest chap like Alan. He doesn't claim to be anything but just an average person. Let's go in. Uh, hi, Alan. Oh, hello, Kenneth Dean. Hello, hello. I'm, uh, I'm writing the story of my life. <laughs> Listen to the first chapter, Ken. When I reached the age of four months, I left home. I needed a change. <laughs> At the age of five months, I knew the laws of gravitation backwards. I knew Darwin's theory backwards. I knew Einstein's theory backwards. I was a backward child. <laughs> well, uh, what are you going to call the book? Can you have the title all picked out? True story of Alan Young, or the real dope. (laughs) And on the inside page, I'll put this simple dedication to my mother and father, without whom this author would never have been possible. (laughs) Well, where do you come off writing a book? I I don't think you have a college education. I haven't. I mean, I haven't? I haven't? Well, here's a picture of me when I graduated from college. Why didn't you graduate in cap and gown? My father was still sleeping in it. I've had plenty of writing experience. They used to call me the Ernest Hemingway of Canada. What made them stop? Ernest Hemingway. (laughs) 
Well, and your book could never be a success. The people want to read about a man who has lived, a man who has suffered. Oh, I've, I've suffered. I've really suffered. I've gone hungry and I've gone barefoot. How did that happen? I lost my ration book. <laughs> Well, that isn't enough. You have to know the meaning of sorrow. Mm -hmm. Do you know what it is to have had love within your grasp and lost it? Yeah. Once in the movies, the lights came up too soon. <laughs> Why, even when I went to school, I used to whistle at all the little girls. Finally, the teacher sent for my parents. Why? She wanted to see Whistler's mother. <laughs> but you have to get out and meet people, talk to people. Talk to a man who is determined, square-jawed, fearless. A man who knows everything. Well, I would, but he's too busy looking for Gravel Gertie right now. <laughs> I'm not talking about Dick Tracy. Hmm? I'm talking about the man who just moved into Mr. Grimes' house next door. There's a man who knows life. Gee, I'd sure like to meet him. Wait, there he is out in the backyard pitching horseshoes. Oh, yeah, what a man. What a man. Oh, what's so wonderful about a man pitching horseshoes? He doesn't even bother taking off the horses. <laughs> of course, that way they walk back. <laughs> We'll throw it out. Gosh, I'd sure, I'd sure like to meet that man. Well, here he comes into the house now. Oh, boy, what a physical specimen. <laughs> what legs, what arms, what shoulders, what heads. <laughs> oh, gee, are you really that great adventurer, that daring explorer, that dashing Romeo? Yes, indeedy. <laughs> Alan, I want you to meet Colonel Atlas C. Leinhardt. What does the C stand for? Coward. <laughs> I've, I've, I've traveled the four corners of the world. Huh? I haven't missed a town or city in the universe. I'm the Republican Mrs. Roosevelt. <laughs> well, tell me about some of the places you visited. I spent four years working with the Sultan of Shushkebab. I used to... Chase away the sightseers from the Sultan's harem. Well, what, what kind of a job is that? I was a harem scarem. <laughs> I've, I've, I've traveled all over. Frank Buck once took me to Africa, but he, he left me there. Why? He only brings him back alive. <laughs> but I bet a man like you knows a lot about women, especially those of the opposite sex. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm through with women since Betty Grable broke my heart. Mm. Oh, Betty, what has Harry James got that I couldn't borrow from Van Johnson? <laughs> you mean to say you actually know Betty Grable? I, I had her picture tattooed on my chest. Mm. Then Harry James found out about it. What happened? He took it out of my hide. <laughs> oh, Betty, when I think of you, my cup of joy runneth over. <laughs> Your cup of joy runneth over. Some of it drooleth down your chin. <laughs> but uh, look, look, Colonel Leinhardt, I'm writing a book. I want to go out and see life in the raw. Don't you think you ought to wear something? <laughs> if you really want to learn about life, get in touch with Maisie uh, LaCrochmire at the Coca Banana. Mm -hmm. She's a fan dancer. <laughs> I, I used to be her old flame. She's a fan dancer. You used to be her old flame. Well, why did you break it up? I held the flame too close to her fan. <laughs> Thanks for the tip. I'll call up right now and make a reservation. What's the name of that afternoon club? That, that's not an afternoon club. It's a night club. You haven't read the papers today, have you?
but well, it is a Coca Banana. Coca Banana, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello. I'd like to make a reservation for tonight, please. That's the only space you have left in the whole club. Well, do you think I'll be able to see from in there? <laughs> Oh, if I leave the door open. <laughs> well, all right, but I've never seen a floor show from the kitchen. <laughs> well, uh, well how, how shall I dress? Huh? Top hat, white tie, tails, and socks are optional. <laughs> Thank you. Well, they won't let me into the Coca Banana nightclub without a tuxedo. This looks like a place to get a full-dress suit. Hoffman's Tuxedo Shop. Get your tails from Hoffman. (laughs) Here goes. Yes? Uh, I'm Alan Young, and I want a tuxedo with two pair of pants. Oh, you mad, impetuous boy, you. (laughs) Uh, Would you care for something in midnight blue or banker's gray? Well, I'd like something to match my complexion. I'm uh, I'm sorry, but we're all out of pool table green. <laughs> oh, I have just the suit for you. It's exactly your size. Oh. 46 stout. Well, gosh, it seems awfully large. Well, it's our collegiate model. Oh, must I take the faculty in with me? <laughs> uh, now I'll just put this jacket on you. Yeah. Uh, there. <sighs> hmm. Well, the, the jacket is rather large, but we'll fix it. I'll take it in around the knees. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, we'll, uh, we'll also have to lower the right shoulder a little. Yes, yes, it doesn't look right to have it higher than my head. <laughs> hey, let's see. <clears throat> now, would you, uh, would you mind turning around? Yeah. Turn around again, the coat didn't move. <laughs> Well, now let's have a look at your arms. Raise your right sleeve. I can't. Why not? I'm standing on it. <laughs> well, I don't know what you have against this suit. It's the perfect tuxedo. This is no tuxedo. This is a blue serge foxhole. <laughs> oh, no, I, I beg to differ with you. This fabric is a genuine scotch tweed. Yeah? How do I know it's a genuine scotch tweed? Just wear it in the rain and your body starts coming through the dye. <laughs> I still insist this coat is a little too big. May I try on the pants? With a coat like this, pants are a mockery. Well, I, I have to have a tuxedo. If I rent this tuxedo, will you alter it a little for me? Yes, just leave it to me. When you walk down the street with this suit, people will stop and ask where you got it. They will? Yes, and don't tell them. <laughs> now, if you just step into this dressing room, I'll have the suit altered in a few minutes. All right, I'll go right in here. Oh, oh, excuse me. Yeah, step right in, son. Take it off. Uh, I say take it off. Oh, Counselor Carton Branch, what are you doing here? Well, I bought a pair of pants here last week. Huh? They told me it would wear like iron. Just brought it in to have some of the rust removed. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, son. <laughs> the best dressed egg of the season. You know, Mr. Carton Branch, I- I'm going to be an author. Uh, good luck, son. I hope it's a boy. Oh. Author, I mean, I'm going to write a book. That's why I'm going out tonight to live. Ah, living's good for you. I remember when I used to live out in the open, ate under the trees, slept under the stars. You were an adventurer. I was a bum. (laughs) I love that life. I say I love that life, though. I used to earn my living trapping wild animals. That's how I caught my wife. (laughs) 
I never did know when to keep my trap shut. Yeah. Well, I have a date tonight with... Don't a... stand there listening while I'm talking, son. I'm sorry. Yeah, life has been... Ki- I say, life has been kind to me. Today, I'm the most successful lawyer in town. I'm a leader of men and a follower of women. <laughs> women, that is. Yeah. yeah. Gee. Counselor Cartmans, why don't you write a book? I did, son, I did. I took it to a publisher, and he said for that masterpiece, I should join the immortals. Really? Yeah, he told me to drop dead. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't discouraged. No, sir. I sat down, I say, I sat down and wrote the history of the butterfly. For two long years, I lived the life of the butterfly. I finally quit when I broke my leg. Well, how did that happen? I fell off a daffodil. <laughs> That's pure whimsy, son. Yeah, yeah, well, I need a suit. Hey, excuse me, Mr. Young. Here's your tuxedo. Oh, fine. Now, what is the rental charge for one night? That'll be $10. $10? Well, I only expected to pay $5. The price is $10. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what. You come down a little and I'll go up a little, okay? Okay. okay. $9. $6. $8. $7. $7. $8. $6. $9. $5. $10. So. Ah, <laughs> oh, you sure drive a hard bargain. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hmm. Seems every time I drive a hard bargain, it costs me money. <laughs> well, I'm off to the nightclub. Boy, this is going to make some chapter in my book. Oh, what a classy nightclub this is. Everything is so bright and shiny. They'll even have brass finger bowls on the floor. <laughs> oh. Gee, here's a picture of that fan dancer, Maisie LaCrochmeyer. What does this sign say? During the present fuel emergency, Maisie will do her fan dance with two hot water bottles. <laughs> May I be of service, bud? <laughs> yes, I have a reservation at table 629. Will I be able to see the floor show from there? Why, certainly. The waiter will show you how to use a radar machine. Uh, by the way, Bud, do you have a five-buck table or a ten-buck table? Well, what's the difference? Well, with the ten-buck table, you just get a chair. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have the ten-dollar reservation. Will you please send Maisie to my table? Why, certainly. There's your table over there. I'll, I'll send her right in. Fine. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> Union will hear about that. <laughs> oh, what a place. Gee, look at this menu. It's so classy. Leave your wraps in Ernie's check room. We are not responsible for hats and coats that fit Ernie. <laughs> Quite a place. Uh, pardon me. I'm Maisie, the fan dancer. I uh, hurried over. I uh, didn't have time to change. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm I'm Alan Young. And I, I, I've got, I'm writing up. I, I got it. Aren't you cold that way? Well, when a girl gets cold, what do you do? Rub two sticks together and make a fire. (laughs) Come here, you big, blonde, beautiful beast. Please, you're you're hurting my arm. (laughs) What do you see when you look deep? Deep in my eyes. You're wearing open-toed shoes. Come on, little Abner. Come on over here and kiss me. Mm. You know, uh, I uh, don't often kiss boys the first time I meet them. Neither do I. 
Look, Miss Maisie, I didn't come here to make love. I came here to write a book. Here goes the lifetime guarantee on your pen. <laughs> oh, bless your little... <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do with you, Miss Maisie. If you let me kiss you, if you let you kiss me... Well, we'll both work at it. If you... <laughs> If I let you kiss me, uh, you let me write my... <laughs> oh, brother, I'll try it in English. If you... <laughs> I'll, I'll write down my reactions to my book if you kiss me. This book will never pass in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go ahead, shall we? <laughs> well, what did you write, Blondie? L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T. <laughs> doesn't make sense. I can't help it. I'm smoking. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here comes my boyfriend, Killer Kelly. Killer Kelly? So I caught you out with my girl, you yellow-livered, weasel-faced blubber-lip. What do you got to say for yourself? <laughs> Cigarette? <laughs> All right, bud. I caught you red-handed. You Maisie with root deer on your breath. And this jank with lipstick all over his kisser. No, 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 she didn't kiss me. <laughs> I always say lips that have touched the dreaded root shall never rest upon my snoot. <laughs> yeah, well, then what was she doing sitting on your knee? Believe it or not, Kelly, we're writing a book. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing with that knife? I'm going to cut you down for the Reader's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> on second thought, I'm going to take you for a little ride. You and 14 other guys. Won't that be kind of crowded? Yeah, but nowadays it's patriotic to share the ride. <laughs> All right, get going. Yeah. And in case you get frisky, that's a gun in your back. Ooh. Well, would you mind moving it up a little bit higher? There. More to the left? Yeah. Up a little? There. That's it. Oh! <laughs> oh, hello, Alan. Are uh, you leaving so soon? Jimmy, what are you doing here? Shut up. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, I just came over to see that fan dancer, Maisie LaCrochemeyer. Oh, well, Kenny, now that you're here, maybe you'd like to come along with me? Oh, no, 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 oh. no. You go ahead and have a good time. Uh, uh, you're probably going to get quite a bang out of things. Yeah. <laughs> but keep sober, Alan. No, I don't know if I'll keep sober. It looks like I'm going to get stiff sooner than I expected. <laughs> Kenny, look, I'm going for a ride. Well, that's wonderful, Alan. Yeah. The fresh air will do you a lot of good. Yeah. Come on, bud, on your way. Look, Kenny, I'm going to get bumped Well, up. drive carefully and you won't. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have an awful night if you don't come along. I mean, I don't feel... Are you sick? Oh, brother, yes. All right, come on, bud. The carriage is waiting. Yep. Okay, Young, this is the end of your ride. Gee, Mr. Kelly, this is a pretty tough part of town. Nah, nah, it ain't tough. Hmm? See, across the street, they're having a birthday party. Look at that lovely birthday cake. <laughs> they put out the candle. <laughs> Look, Mr. Kelly, I, I gotta go up. Uh, I gotta take a pair of rubbers uptown. Where are they? I'm wearing them. <laughs> now, look, kid, you're coming with me, and there's nothing to be afraid of. Why, well, I wouldn't hide a fly. Oh, I'd make it. When are you guys spare time for a cup of coffee? <laughs> you... you shot him. Mr. Kelly, I demand to know why you shot that man. I just didn't like his face. <laughs> oh, well, as long as you had a reason. <laughs> All right, here we are, right down these steps. Gee, so dark down here, I can't see a thing. 
better feel around in case I... Oh, here's a passage. Gee, it's all dark and wet and clammy. Get your hand out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Here's the door. Now go on and open it. Remember, I got you covered. Yeah, well, I'll just... It must be locked. That's okay. I always carry a pass key in my pants pocket. Yeah. Oh, darn these pickpockets. No key? No pants. <laughs> all right, all right. Get going, bud. It won't be long now. No, no. I'm not going. I gone far enough. I'm not going any further. And nothing you can use will force me, understand? Nothing you can use will force me. Go on in or I'll plug you. Oh, well, psychology. <laughs> now, look. In a minute, you're going to meet my partner. Yeah. If you stand up to him, you're okay. But if he thinks you're scared, he'll let you have it. Yeah. So keep a stiff upper lip. Keep it? I've eaten it. <laughs> hey, quiet, quiet. Here he comes now. Yeah, yeah. Hiya, Spike. Hey, Spike. Uh, hiya, Kelly. Hiya, Kelly. Did the stuff get here? Huh? Stuff get here? Yeah, 6,000 gallons, but they... Hey, I don't mind you bumping somebody off, but why stand them up like that? <laughs> now, look, this ain't a stiff. Huh? This is the sucker that's going to front for the stuff. Yeah, front for the stuff. For the stuff I'm going to front. Spike, I want you to meet me pal, Alan Young. Hey, Spike, hey, Spike. <laughs> How's your gat? And all the little gittens. <laughs> you know? Some tough guy. Why, I could knock him flat with a wet cornflake. Yeah? Well, I just just have to get rid of a guy like you. I just bumped him off. Yeah? How? How? Well, I I strangled him, shot him six times with a bazooka, and hit him over the head with a paper napkin. <laughs> I'm a tough guy, see? Okay, okay, I'll let you in on a deal, young. You see, kid, me and Spike are 6,000 gallons of gasoline to sell, and you're just the guy to do it. Sure. If you want to, you can keep a little gasoline for yourself. Do you like Ethel? I don't know. I never met her. <laughs> so dark in that hose. Never met her. Dark in the hose. All right. Now, look, Young. We're handling black market gas, and you're going to front for us. I'm going to front for you? <laughs> well, I... Front for you? Well, I, I... I can't even think of a word to describe you. Skunk, louse, rat. Yeah, that's it. Well, say, you can't say that about me. Way out. No, no, you don't. Put him up. Both of you, put him up. Huh? And I'll get over against the wall. Go on, get over. Now, wait a minute. You ain't even got a gun in your hand. Must I be hampered by tradition? <laughs> Look, you guys. You come a step closer, I'll run out of here and get the police. I warn you, I'll run out. Oh, yeah, the door's locked, bolted, and chained. The only way you could get out is through the keyhole. Okay! <laughs> ah. <laughs> little tight, but I made it. Now that I'm out, I'm going to call the police. I've got to be quiet or those crooks will hear me. Where can I get a phone? I'll try this house here. Hope it's somebody home. Yes? Shh! Good evening, lady. Oh, good evening. I'll have 25 pounds of ice and I'll see you Thursday. <laughs> hmm. Yes? Lady, I'm not the ice man. Then make it Friday. Make it Friday. <laughs> 
this door. I gotta get... Hey, hey. What's that? It's the police. But how did they get here? Gee, they're pulling up right outside this house. Hey, over here! Over here! The crook's right below here in the basement. Alan, Alan, are you all right? Oh, Kenny, so you brought the police. How did you know where to find us? Well, after you left me at the nightclub, Maisie the Fan Dancer confessed. You mean Maisie the Fan Dancer? She confessed? Yes, she said she wouldn't cover up for anybody. She... (laughs) She also helped us capture the ringleader of the mob. Here he is. The ringleader? What a finish this will make for my book. Say, ringleader, will you tell me the story of your life as a gangster? A gangster who murdered, plundered, stole, and killed? Yes, indeed. Oh, no! Sorry, we're over time. Good night, folks. Good night. Alan Young is here to greet you, everybody, everywhere. Every Friday at this time, he comes to say hello, buyer. Brought to you by a tenor for the smile of beauty. And by talent. For welcome there. By talent. By talent. Two products you should know on the Alan Young, Alan Young, Alan Young show. Friday night again, and as usual, we take you to the little white cottage in Van Nuys, California, where we find the star of our show, that young man who is young today and young forever, Alan Young. Well, it looks like Alan isn't home. And when Alan isn't home, it usually means he has a date with Betty. So let's join them now at their favorite night spot, Mr. Daniel's Corner Drugstore. Well, Betty... What kind of ice cream would you like? Let me see what's on the menu. Uh, Lover's Delight, Sweetheart's Promise, Breathless Enchantment, Desire in the Moonlight. What are you supposed to do? Eat them or dab them behind your ears? <laughs> Alan, what are you going to have? I think I'll have a hot fudge sundae. I thought you didn't like hot fudge. I don't. Well, then why do you keep ordering it? Well, when I kiss you goodnight, it holds us together longer. <laughs> Betty, I hope you don't mind me taking you to Daniel's drugstore for dates. Oh, of course not, Alan. Where you go doesn't matter as long as you're with somebody you like. I'd swell you to say that, Betty. Can we hold hands under the table? Certainly not. Last time we did that, you slipped me the check. (laughs) Betty, maybe you should go with someone who can take you to the smart places. I'm a failure. Oh, don't be silly, Alan. You're too young to be a failure. You won't be a failure for 20 years yet. <laughs> Thanks, Betty. I've really tried to be a success, too. I even tried selling magazines, you know. Every place I went, they slammed the door in my face. I tried and tried, but they slammed the door in my face. And you quit? I had to. My forehead was beginning to recede. <laughs> Betty, have you decided what you want from the menu yet? Well, uh, I'd like to have this rainbow special. It's um, 85 cents. Uh How about you, Alan? Rainbow special? Sounds pretty good. I guess I'll have one, too. Let's see now. 85 and 85. That's $1.70. 74 with tax. Come on, Betty. I'll give Mr. Daniels our order. We can come back next. We can eat it when I have the money. Oh, that's why 
I like to go out with you, Alan. You make it so easy for me to stay in my diet. <laughs> Let's go, Betty. See you later, Mr. Daniels. <laughs> Alan, I have to get home now and prepare dinner for Daddy. Okay, Betty. And, Alan, before I go, I want you to remember that a lot of great men had to struggle before they achieved their goals. Mm-hmm. Why, if Thomas Edison hadn't stuck to his ideas, the electric light would never have been invented. And if the electric light hadn't been invented, you know what that would mean to us? More fun on the sofa. (laughs) Betty, don't worry. I won't give up. Oh, I'm glad, Alan. Well, bye. Bye, Betty. (laughs) Betty's right. I can be a success. Someday I might be the most important man on this block. That would make all my neighbors proud. They're such nice neighbors, too. (laughs) Hello, Mrs. Tyler. (laughs) Hello, Mrs. Meadowbrook. Lovely day. Today. There's my new neighbor's house, Lana LaRose. That clothesline of hers always slows me down. (laughs) Gee, just look at those things. Real silk, too, I'll bet you. How does she keep warm? They don't even come down to her knees. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm Look at that. There's a man lying in the middle of the street. How about to help him? I'll be hit by a car or something. I'll slap his wrists. Mister, mister, can I help you up? Hey, leave me alone. Beat it. Gee, these California pedestrians have a lot of pride. <laughs> you got any broken bones? Go away. We're shooting an outdoor scene. This is a picture. You mean movies? I'm sorry, I, I didn't know you were shooting a picture. He didn't know we were shooting a picture. What do you think these cameramen are doing? Turning mix masters? <laughs> you have spoiled the scene. This you have done to Grigor Petrovich, the Russian Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my head. I've got a headache. Hey, Joe. Hey, yes, Mr. Petrovich. You got the aspirin? Hey, yes, Mr. Petrovich. Good. Swallow it for me. I don't got time. <laughs> Fine. I feel better already. Mr. Petrovich, if there's anything I can do... Here I am, making the greatest picture of my career. A sequel to The Big Sleep, called Wake Up Already. <laughs> and you have ruined it. Mr. Petrovich, it was a natural mistake. There he was lying in the middle of the road, so I tried to help him up. Help him up? That's ridiculous. That's bull. That's an idea. Somebody's laying on the road and somebody helps him up. Could happen. <laughs> if they were both Democrats. <laughs> That's just what this scene needed. A touch of realism. You mean you're, you're going to keep my scene in the picture? Exactly. I'm in pictures. I'm a movie star. I'll be on the screen. What is your name, young man? Alan Pigeon. I mean, Tyrone Young. I mean, I... Mean, I, I you have done some screen work before. Oh, yeah, I'm always fixing them around the house. <laughs> Petrovich is talking about movies. Movies? Movies, movies. What goes on in your theater? Not much. We have a strict usher. <laughs> Never mind now, my company will get in touch with you. Young man, your performance was magnificent. Gee, thanks, Mr. Petrovich. Now I've got work to do. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh. 
The great Petrovich said it was a magnificent performance. And I thought it was a failure. I'm a success. I'm a movie star. Well, I'm, I'm Gary Cooper, Van Johnson, Gene Autry, and Frank Sinatra all rolled into one. Just think what that makes me. A tall, freckled horse wearing a bow tie. <laughs> oh, Here's a question for wolves. Gentlemen, how do you feel when you meet a pretty girl? How do you feel when that girl smiles at you? Oh! Thank you, gentlemen. And now, ladies, here's a question for you. How's your smile? Is it bright enough and sparkling enough to rate some of those extra heartbeats? Well, look, here's a way to help your smile to new loveliness, to a brightness you never knew you had. Just brush your teeth with Ipana toothpaste. And every time you do, put a little extra Ipana on your fingertip and gently massage it on your gums. Your teeth will be brighter, your smile more sparkling, for Ipana is designed not only to clean your teeth, but with gentle massage to aid in the health of your gums. Just ask your dentist. A national survey shows that seven out of ten dentists recommend gum massage. Not only that, but dentists themselves prefer Ipana toothpaste two to one over any other dentifrice for their own personal use. So why don't you start right away with Ipana toothpaste and gum massage? Ipana, for your smile of beauty. Well, Alan Young accidentally walked into a movie being filmed by the great Gregor Petrovich, and he is now convinced that he is on his way to stardom. We find Alan back at home preparing for his new movie career. He is rehearsing a love scene. Oh, my darling, we're drifting apart. When I look into your face, I can tell that a dark cloud has come between us. We can't go on like this. Tell me, tell me, what is this dark cloud that I feel? That's me five o'clock shadow. <laughs> Zero, will you please stick to that book I gave you? Just oh. read what's on the page. Okay, Alan, I'll read it. All right. Sweetheart. Put your arms around me and tell me that you love me. Zero, can't you put more feeling into it? Think of it this way. You're not Zero anymore. You're Lana Turner. I'm Lana Turner? Yeah. Wait, I'll go put on a sweater. Yep. Zero, stop wasting time. Well, Alan, I'm doing my best. I was just... All right, I'm sorry. Well, let's get sweater. back to the book, please. Okay. <clears throat> oh, my darling. Every moment with you is like a century of happiness. My idea of heaven is to sit on the sofa with you and run my fingers through your long golden toes. (laughs) I skipped the page. (laughs) Golden curls. Oh, my darling, you're the only one in the world for me. Say those three little words as only you can say them. I'll take Scott. Stop dragging your personal life into this, Zero. I like scotch. I know you like scotch, but this is very important. Oh, Oh, my sweet. Yes? I shall make your every dream come true. Yes? I shall shower you gifts. Yes? Anything you want will be yours. Well, what do you know? I'm queen for a day. Ridiculous. Why don't you forget this movie stuff? Don't be silly, Zero. When I'm a big movie star, Betty won't look at any other fella. Even Hubert Updike won't have a chance. Speak of the devil. Here comes that filthy rich Updike now. Uh, he's really got a lot of dough, huh? Yeah, the way he shows off with it. He and those checked shirts. Well, a lot of people wear shirts made out of checks. Travelers' checks? 
<laughs> well, I tell him about my movie career. Yeah, give it to him good, Alan. Uh, I'll see you later. Okay. Oh, Alan, I'm here, I'm here. Come smell me and throw away your Chanel number five. <laughs> you, but you look a little tired. <laughs> yes, I am tired, Alan. I had to walk three blocks to get here. Walk three blocks with you, but I heard you park your car outside my house. I got out the rear door. <laughs> glad you dropped by here, but I, I've got some wonderful news. Uh, what is it, Alan? I'm going to be a big star in the movies. Oh, really? Is Roy Rogers tired of riding on Trigger? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a witty one, you hardy, 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 hardy. <laughs> I'm, I'm practically on the verge of signing a contract with a movie studio. You, a movie star? Oh, Mother, take my curlers out. I'm ready to blow my top. <laughs> I can't get over it. You becoming a movie star. Well, that's true, Hubert. But I, I'm much handsomer than you are. Uh, take my nose, for example. Uh, just look at that beautiful bridge. Tall, of course. No, tall. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll put in a picture like a spiral staircase. What a scary picture. Made my flesh creep. Uh, my flesh didn't creep, Alan. My flesh never creeps. But at certain times, everybody's flesh creeps. Mine has no better place to go. <laughs> anyway, but I guess this puts me in solid with Ben. Oh, this is drag. Yeah? I, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll get my own picture studio. I'll go into partnership with Sam Platinum. Yeah, no, no, no. You mean Sam Goldwyn. I'll give him a raise. <laughs> Well, good night, Alan. I'm off to Booberly Hool. <laughs> off to Booberly Hool. <laughs> Everybody have more respect for me when I become a big movie star. Gee, I bet they're discussing my future over 20th Century Fox this very minute. Joel. Hey, Joel. Yes, Mr. Petrovich. That fellow from Van Nuys, that Alan Young, that uh, Petrovich so cleverly walked into the scene. I'm marking him down as an extra in the picture. Hey, yes, Mr. Petrovich. I'd better call him, make sure he understands. Hey, yes, Mr. Petrovich. From the way he looked, he could use the $6.50. <laughs> Operator, get me Alan Young. Joe, after this, we go to lunch. You are hungry, Joe. Hey, no, Mr. Petrovich. Joe, you said no. Oh, oh I, I, I meant to say yes, Mr. Petrovich. Please, please, don't make me walk through that picket line again. <laughs> hello, Joe, let me tell you. Oh, hello, oh, Alan Young. This is Petrovich from 20th Century. I've sent you a check for 650. That's right, 650. It'll be there right away. When you're both for Petrovich. Okay, Mr. Petrovich. Six, six fifty. Yeah, thanks a lot. Zero. They're sending me a check for six fifty. Just think, six hundred and fifty dollars. That's only for three minutes' work. Three? No kidding. Well, zero. It's a fortune. Did you ever hear of anybody else making six hundred and fifty dollars in three minutes? Yeah, but they had somebody parked outside with a motor running. <laughs> 
boy, I'll be worth a fortune. Oh, Alan, me boy, I always knew you were going to be a big shot someday. Thanks, Joe. I better tell Betty how important I've become now. Oh, and Zero, while I'm gone, have them start work at once on a swimming pool and some tennis courts. Okay. So long, Zero. I'm off to Betty's. Daddy, I wish you'd be more considerate to Alan. Ah, that Alan Young. Oh, Dad, how can you be so cruel? After all, Alan Young is a human being. Don't let his looks fool you. (laughs) You should have seen Alan this morning, Daddy. So humble, so pathetic, so modest. Well, maybe you're right, Betty. At least he doesn't brag about himself like Hubert Updike. Uh, come in. Betty, I'm here, I'm here! Come see what Mother Nature can do if she really strains. Why, Alan, what's happened to you? Modest, humble. Betty, let me take you out of this rat trap. Marry me, and you shall live in boozily hoos. <laughs> Alan Young, this is the last straw. Then I guess we'll have to drink from the glass. <laughs> oh, that was a witty one. <laughs> I've never seen you act this way before. I've never been a movie star before. Movie star? What's this? You a movie star? The picture studios are clamoring for me. Oh, but Alan, you'll be making love to Rita Hayworth and Hedy Lamarr before you come home to me. Just consider those practice pitches before the big game. (laughs) Alan, stop being ridiculous. I'll prove it to you, Mr. Dittenpepper. Why don't we go out to the studio right now? I'll introduce you to my director. Alan, I don't believe a word of this. Come in. Oh, hello, Mr. Dittenpepper. Hello, Mr. Dittenpepper. Hello, Hey, hey uh, Alan, Psst. can I see you a minute? Certainly, my good man. Uh, look, uh, this letter came to you from the studio, so I brought it right over. Here it is, Alan. Thank you, sir. I'll open it up and see what they have to say to me. <laughs> from 20th Century Fox, eh? Then it's true. Alan, my boy. <laughs> You've got a check. Ah, check. You're going to be rich. Yeah, rich. Well, look, look at the check. How much is it for? Ah. <laughs> ah. Well, Alan, what are you going to do with all that money? Ah. <laughs> well, Alan, my boy, let's go over to your studio. Yeah. Yeah. Now, tell me something about your next picture. Our next picture? (laughs) Yes, yes. I suppose it's one of those stupendous productions. Oh, I don't know, but I have a feeling I'm going to wind up in a big cast. (laughs) Uh, Hello, Mr. Woolington. Can I give you a laugh? Oh, thank you, Hubert. Thank you very much. I'd be very, very grateful to you. Say, uh, what is this I hear about Alan Young becoming a movie star? Oh, yes. Isn't that mortifying? You know, a thing like that could win Betty over to his side? Yes, I know. So I'm buying a cocktail ring for Betty, uh, $5,000. $5,000 for a cocktail ring? This one pours martinis. Well, do you think that'll help you? Oh, it must work out. It must work out. It must, it must, it must. 
Yes, you're right. A workout is a must. I boog your pardon? <laughs> a workout is a must when you use Vitalis, the famous hair grooming preparation. Oh, Mother, I've been ambushed. Oh, no, no. I'm merely saying that Vitalis and the 60-second workout is a must for keeping dry, unruly hair under control. And it's so easy, too. All you do is put a little Vitalis on your scalp, and for just 50 seconds, you rub briskly. Then for 10 seconds, you comb. That's all. But what a change. Your hair looks well-groomed in a natural, masculine way, without that objectionable patent leather shine, without that plastered-down look. What's more, the Vitalis 60-second workout loosens a tight, dry scalp, routes loose dandruff, and helps prevent excessive falling hair. Vitalis is available at drug counters everywhere. So to look your best tomorrow, get a bottle of Vitalis tonight. And now let's listen to the smart set, freshen up the coffee song. Way down among Brazilian coffee beans grow by the billion, so they've got to find those extra cups to fill. They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. You can't get cherry soda, cause they've got to spell their quota, and the way things are, I guess they never will. They've got a zillion tons of coffee in Brazil. No tea or tomato juice. unwilling Alan Young, arriving at the studios. Zero has gone along to help Alan. That is, if help is possible at this point. Well, here we are inside 20th Century Fox. Alan, my boy, I never realized the price actors have to pay for being famous. Well, that's how it is, Mr. D. My goodness, climbing over the wall to avoid autograph hounds. (laughs) Well, Mr. Dittenhepper, now that you've seen the place, let's go home. Yeah, there's nothing doing at this joint. But, Alan, my boy, I... (laughs) I thought I'd meet some of your important friends, or maybe some, uh, pretty starlets. <laughs> oh. What do you want to see a starlet for? After all, what is a starlet? Just a country girl that came to the city and improved her suburbs? 
You know, I think we ought to go home like Alan says. I think the joint is closed up. Well, as long as we're here, at least I can look around the lot. Huh? Say, look at all those dressing rooms. Uh, which one of them's yours, Alan? Uh, which one of them is mine? Yeah, uh, that one. That one right on the end there. Oh, well, there seems to be a name on the door. Well, it doesn't look like your name, Alan. Uh, I'm sharing it. With Gene Crane? <laughs> we turn our backs. <laughs> oh, Alan. Yeah? Alan, look. That set over there, it's all lit up. And look what that slang says. Now shooting, Gregor Petrovich and his epic saga, wake up already. <laughs> oh, we'd better get out of here, Alan. Yeah. Come on, Alan, come on. Let's go over and you can introduce me to him. Oh, Mr. Nubby, he's a very temperamental man. He can't stand noise on the set. But in his last cowboy picture, Hopalong Cassidy had to crawl. <laughs> Nonsense, Alan. You're a good friend of his. Let's go over. Zero, what are we going to do? Leave it to me, Alan. I'll think of something. Yeah, we'll think of Now, remember, Lydia, in this scene, you are alone on a desert island. You are starving. Your lover is searching for you. You understand? Okay, I'm starving and my lover's searching for me. Fine, let us start the scene. Well, Alan, aren't you going to introduce me to your director? Ah, uh, director, yes, of course. Mr. Petrovich! Please, I'm shooting a scene. Uh, Mr. Petrovich, Alan Young is about to become my son-in-law. Well, don't bother me. Go to the board of hell. <laughs> Constant interruptions. What is it, little boy? Mr. Petrovic, Mr. Zanuck wants to see it once. Oh, well, only Daryl could make me move from here. I'll be back in a little while. Zero, what's the big idea? Now's your chance, huh? Papa Trubbage is awake. Get into the scene with the dame. But Zero... Uh, Mr. Didn't, Pepper. This here is Alan's big love scene. Well, go ahead, my boy. Show me what you can do. But Mr. Didn't, Pepper... Oh, go on, Alan. I want to see you act. <laughs> yes, Mr. Didn't, Pepper. Ah! Ah! <laughs> what do I see on yon desert island? Ah, my fair one. I have searched for you these many months. Where did this jerk come from? <laughs> this jerk has come from across the sea. <laughs> I have come to take you away. Wait a minute. What is this? Please, Miss Lydia, I'm in a terrible spot. Help me out, will you? Help you out? Yeah, I'm trying to impress this guy. Pretend we're doing a love scene. Oh, love scene, huh? Why didn't you tell me? Step up closer, spare ribs. Let's get barbecued. <laughs> Gee. Alan, I thought this was going to be your big love scene. Uh, yes, my, my love scene. Oh, darling. Darling, I love you. Hug my. <laughs> Hug my. Tighter. 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 I don't care. Flatten my elk's tooth. <laughs> oh, my romantic one. Hold me close. <laughs> As they say in Spanish, también bus besito chiquito. Usted es un caballero muy bueno. Don Miguel de Cervantes Avedra. Thank you, Mr. F.E. Boone of Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> oh, darling, let me hold you close. What's going on here, Bob? Throw that idiot off the side. Mr. Petrovich, let me explain. Listen, you six dollar and fifty cents extra. I never want to see your face again. Six dollar and sixty-fifty cents. I got a ring! <laughs> Thank you.
autograph hounds in dressing room, eh? Ellen Young, I'm going to tear you in half. You hear that, Mr. Petrovich? She wants me to appear in double features. <laughs> this is too much. Joe, throw these people of the sand. Now, see here, I have a... Listen, demon. Mr. Dittenpepper. Throw please. them all! Throw them all! Now, Betty, I'm right back where I started. A failure. Oh, you're not a failure, Alan. You're a success. I am? Of course. Don't you know it's what you are that counts, not what you've got? Betty, I like you for both reasons. <laughs> but let's, let's not keep Mr. Daniels waiting. Look at the menu. Well, um, I'd kind of like to have that rainbow special. But... Oh, go on, Betty. You can order anything you want now. Up to six fifty. <laughs> Alan Young will be back in a minute. Say, you folks suffering from a cold, why suffer more than you have to? Get real relief, quick relief, from your cold discomfort with Minute Rub, the really modern chest rub. All you do is rub Minute Rub on your throat, chest, and back. In a minute, Minute Rub's soothing vapors get to work. In a minute, Minute Rub's menthol vapors begin to clear up that stuffed-up feeling in the nose and throat. In a minute, Minute Rub starts to bring a feeling of warmth and relief to those tight, sore, aching muscles. And listen. Here at last is a chest rub that's greaseless and stainless. Disappears like vanishing cream so it can't stain clothes and bed linens. So get a tube of Minute Rub and get relief from that annoying cold misery the modern way. The greaseless, stainless Minute Rub way. And now here's Alan. Thanks, Jimmy. Friends, during the week, please remember the two fine products that bring you this show. Ipana for the smile of beauty and Vitalis for well-groomed hair. Ipana Vitalis. Until next week, then, this is Alan Young saying good night. This is James Wallington to remind you that Alan Young can now be seen in the 20th Century Fox picture, Margie. The Alan Young radio show is written by Al Schwartz and Sherwood Schwartz. The part of Hugh Updike is played by Jim Backus and Zero by Charlie Cantor. The music is by George Weil and his orchestra. And remember... We'll be seeing you next Friday. We thought you'd like to know at this time and on this station with the Alan Young Show. When we shall entertain you with nothing but the best. All you do is just relax and we will do the rest. My Panna. My talent. Two products you should know on the Alan Young, Alan Young, Alan Young Show. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R I L E Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. 
the Nerd Variety Talk Show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.